Today's show is being brought to you by contributors at Patreon. Go to patreon.com backslash the education game to support the show and thanks. Hey gamers, this is Matt and today we've got a great interview, one that continues our efforts to help you learn how to become your child's head coach. Now remember, it is your job to actively build and execute your child's learning plan. Why? Because your child's school can't do it. They won't do it. School was built for a completely different time, a time when grades were more important than actual learning, when what you knew mattered, but not what you could do with what you know. That matters now. So these podcasts are meant to create nausea in the listeners, particularly the parents who watch their child take state-mandated tests and assignments. You should feel nauseous because that means your child's school is preparing you for 1985 and not 2035, where curiosity, creativity, problem-solving, and character are going to matter so much more than ever before. So with that happy introduction, let's get into our podcast. This is Matt with The Education Game. Hello, gamers. Welcome back to another edition of The Education Game podcast, and... You know, one of the things I talk about is that uh, um, normal is broken, and therefore weird wins from now on. I've got I've got a young woman on the line who, honestly, I'm just going to call her weird. She's weird. She's weird because she's 15, and she has started businesses, and she's writing a book, and she is like has a social conscience, and she's trying to change the world. This is the kind of weird that I want to amplify. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's what my, my kids are showing the same kind of weirdness. And again, I'm trying to let everybody know that this, the woman you're going to talk to today is the prototype for the type of young woman or young man we want going forward in our world. And so we're going to get into that real quick. Her name is Megna. Uh, and she, let me give you a little bit of her bio. Um, so she founded a organization called the global medium and co-founded another organization called Gen Z girls. Uh, uh, I guess about a year ago, Megan, is that right? Last summer. Yeah, last summer. Okay. Um, and so the Global Medium is a platform that introduces editorial, the editorial industry to volunteers through opportunities for writing, editing, graphic design, web development, and social media management. So uh, we're going to get and learn a bit more about what she's doing there. But also this Gen Z Girls is an organization that looks to uplift young girls in marginalized communities by sharing the stories of other accomplished young girls. Exactly the conversation we're having today. Uh, and But both of the organizations really demonstrate Magna's passion for the editorial industry, for storytelling. Um, she's writing a book, which I'm sure we'll have time to talk about today. And so with that lengthy introduction, Megna, welcome to The Education Game. Hi, nice to meet you. And I'm so glad to be here. Yes, well, I'm, I'm super stoked uh, to have you here. And so you know, I know you've got questions for me. Magna reached out to me on LinkedIn, and uh, you know, I, as some of you all know, I, I talk a lot on LinkedIn. Um, but she wanted to know some of my perspectives about the book, you know, to help kind of fill some of the book. But, but before we get to that, Magna, I want to hear more about you and your situation, and what's kind of eat, what's motivating you to be so weird uh, at such an early age. And again, I hope you understand when I say weird. It is like the utmost compliment, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so yeah, well, tell me about you. 
So actually last summer after the pandemic started, I I felt the need to do more just because I didn't have anything to do really. Like especially since our schools were kind of disorganized since they were trying to figure out how to start on an online schooling system. Right. So they were trying to figure that out. Me and a lot of the other kids were really bored. So I just thought instead of doing nothing, maybe do something. Yes. And then it came, I actually applied for a camp called Toad Classy. And through that, I met a few other girls who I co-founded Gen Z Girls with. Very cool. And then from that, I thought that I could also found another organization. <laughs> so I founded the Global Medium as well. Um, and yeah. both of these are really looking at uh, at writing and communication as a form of uplift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. And and so uh, first off, you know, I'm so glad that you were bored last summer, right? I mean, at some level, this is if this is what happens when kids get bored, then my goodness, we need we need to slow them down a little bit and, and give them more freedom to to think and, and to develop their own ideas. So so um, all right, so <clears throat> you also were writing a book. Um, tell me what, how did this come to be? Yeah. So I knew for quite a while that I've liked writing and doing all of that, but I didn't find the need. Like I want to write a book. I never felt that way specifically until actually someone reached out to me on LinkedIn and it was part of the book creators program that I'm a part of and they got me introduced to it. And then I was like, sure, I'll write a book. And I didn't really know what I was getting into. And then I was told to start researching on topics that I should write about. And I ended up choosing the student loan debt crisis because earlier that year, again, due to boredom, I watched a documentary episode on the student loan debt crisis. And that was something that I was really interested in after that. So I just started doing more research on it and realized that that was something that had a lot of potential to be written about. So yeah. I chose that. It's a huge topic. I mean, it's it is it's one of the topics that I'm actually really passionate about. And I guess you may have seen one of my articles, or maybe uh, I, I think you talked to my daughter. My, so so for the listeners out there, this uh, um, Creators Institute is a kind of a support structure for folks that want to write a book, or folks like Megana or myself who've thought about it in the past, um, but never really had the support in order to to get done. And so. Uh, Megana, my daughters are both are all writing books, and you know hundreds of other folks doing the same. And so, uh, it's really interesting that you'd be you'd pick this student loan crisis as the topic because you are you haven't even touched it yet. You're you're still a, a freshman in high school, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah, and so w tell me why? Yeah, why did why student loans? What what like what was it that motivated you to actually sink your teeth into that issue as among as opposed to all these other issues that are out there? Yeah, so my sister actually, she started her undergrad this year. So she's getting into college right now. And also a lot of the people that I take inspiration from, they also are motivating like cancel student loan debt. So I was like, maybe I should dig deeper into this and do something about it. Gotcha. Very cool. Yeah, yeah well, it's a, it's a huge issue and it's very politically hot. Uh, 
you know, arguments on both sides of, of actually there's more, more than just two sides on this deal. Um, so let's do this because I know that you had questions you wanted to ask me. I, I'm the one that roped you into this interview because I'm always looking for, again, weirdos like you, like my daughters uh, that are pushing the envelope and saying, yeah, I may be 15, but I am super capable. I may, I'm capable of influencing this world and not just waiting until I turn 25 to do so. So, um, so do you want to go ahead and start the questions that you have for me and I can, and then we can switch back into, uh, into more conversation about you? Yeah, sounds good. I might be looking to the side because it's on a different computer. No problem. I've got I've got a computer screen open as well, and I'm taking <laughs> notes as well. So go ahead. Yeah. So when we were talking on LinkedIn, you mentioned that you thought that one solution to it could possibly be hacking the college-going assembly line. Mm -hmm. And I was I I like even I didn't really know what that meant. So could you elaborate a little more on that and what you mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, when you reached out, um, I think you, I think you talked to my daughter and, uh, she asked me, my daughter came to me and said, Matt, do you have thoughts about student loans? And I was like, oh yes, <laughs> I have very strong thoughts about student loans because from my perspective, I've worked with a lot of families and the families who have, uh, who have really banked heavy on this idea that college is gonna be the solution for my child's happiness and future. They've banked heavy, they've gone into serious financial debt. They have um, you know, signed loans that you know, I could never endorse. And uh, let me tell you a quick story and then I'll tell you about the hacking idea. So there was a woman, uh, I was working at a, uh, was consulting with a school district and a, a, a mom described this incredible story about how she, um, I won't get into the whole story, but she she did everything she could to get her son into college, but her son wasn't really ready. So she, you know, she browbeat him. She twisted his arm. She called friends and neighbors and asked them and pastors asked them to pressure him to go to college because for her, college was the the win. She didn't appreciate that if the person's not ready for college that you're going to end up investing a lot of money that's not going to return, that's not going to come back to you. It's going to be lost money. And so anyway, she got her son into college. He went, he actually wanted to stay at home and work because he had a full-time job. He wanted to maybe take some courses. She said, no, you have to go to a four-year college. He went. Um, six months later, he's back at home with, I think it was ten or $15,000 of debt. Um, he feels discouraged because he feels like a failure in front of his mother, right? His mom is just beside herself because she did, she pulled all these strings and helping him get to college and, and didn't work. And so the whole family's crushed and they've got all this debt, right? That story replicated a thousand times, 10,000, hundred thousand times is that is what's out there. So let's back up. And we'll use the same woman as, a, as an example of how we should think about this. The first is, um, we need to radically rethink this idea of college for all um, uh, and, and really a four-year college for all. And so what I mean by that is we need to develop learners, not students. And the difference is a student is always looking for the next class to take. A learner is someone who's going to learn on their own regardless of the classes that are available. So, Magna, why you're weird is because you're learning without anybody telling you to do it. Right, the summer that you were bored 
was the very summer that you started two organizations and you started thinking about writing a book. That is what a learner does. So uh, issue one, as we think about college, we, we're thinking about it as, 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 a, as a checkbox. We just have to go to college, get your college degree, and then everything happens uh, well from there. No. What you have to do before that is you create a learner. And so now a learner can realize, well, I want to learn about, pick your topic, edit, uh, writing, right? I can learn about writing by joining Creators Institute. Or I could take one class at the community college. Or I could jump online and take an online class with, uh, you know, the University of Houston Creative Writing Program. Or on and on and on. The cost of doing these other options are a fraction of the cost of a four-year experience. And they provide much more learning if the student is, I'm sorry, if the learner is ready. So first hack Stop thinking about college as the checkbox. Start thinking about being a learner as the thing that's most important for your child. And as they become a learner, they will now find opportunities to learn regardless of if it's a college or an online system or whatever. Does that make sense? Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I definitely think that I was a student before becoming a learner as well. How interesting. It's it's really common. I'll bet you you're a good student, right? I bet you probably... You know, got good grades, right? Yeah. 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 And, and, and that, it's actually ironic, Megna, because the, the students that do best in the traditional school, um, they get good grades, et cetera. It's sometimes harder for them to move away from being a student and becoming a learner because they're getting rewarded so heavily by staying in the system, like, you know, doing what's being assigned waiting for the teacher to say, okay, here's the next assignment, the next project, now do it. That reward is, is addictive. I mean, it's intoxicating, right? Straight A student, et cetera. So it'd be interesting to know, like, what, what do you think, would you have imagined doing any of this stuff had it not been for, for pausing of the traditional school structure? Honestly speaking, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have, because it wouldn't have crossed my mind. Like, the only reason I did it was because I was bored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm serious about this idea that boredom is is actually something that we should try to uh, create room for, uh, room room for a young person to actually reflect. There's a whole conversation we can get into mindfulness. We could talk about another time, etc. So, all right, let me give you the next part about hacking uh, debt, student loan debt. So. Um, I think I sent this to you in uh, the LinkedIn point, uh, uh, LinkedIn kind of description. Um, when you think about college, most people think about college like they think about um, maybe buying a car, right? So I pick a Ford or a Chevy or a Honda or a Toyota. Um, I'm going to pick one of these brands and one of the models in the brand. In the brand. That is actually not what college is. College is more like um, a grocery store. So when you go to a grocery store, you don't buy everything in there, right? Unless you're super hungry. <laughs> uh, what you do, though, you, you, you're really careful about what you're going to buy. You think about, yes, I want some protein. Yes, I want carbs. Yes, I want fruits and vegetables. Right? And you actually piece together your menu of what you're going to eat and serve to your family or to yourself, right? 
the the difference between thinking about college as a as a school as a car or thinking about it as a grocery store is is what's called unbundling right so if i bought a toyota i couldn't say you know what i want don't want the toyota engine i want a ford engine and i don't want the toyota seats i want a lexus seats right you just buy you get it and, you, and that's what you have um when you unbundle uh, education and this is by the way this is k-12 all the way up through university when you unbundle it you say to yourself okay what is it that i want to learn what and what am i willing to pay for and so what what a lot of college is is you're paying for an experience that is extraordinarily expensive as an example uh a lot of folks parents i talk to when i start talking to them about some of the stuff i re i remind them that part of what they're looking for for their child to go to college is for the child to have the college experience. Have you heard that term before? Right, the college experience, yeah. right? So living on your own, um, you know, being free to make your own choices, being surrounded by other, uh, you know, young people, etc. Um, you're spending upwards of thirty thousand, forty thousand dollars for that experience per year. And so the question I would put to a parent is, all right, well, let's think about it. instead of saying the college experience, let's say that you want your child to be around other thoughtful people, um, to experience a new culture, to experience opportunity to live abroad or live, live on their own and live, uh, uh, you know, um, without adult oversight, without much adult oversight. Uh, you could do that for $10,000 uh, or $15,000 by going to another country uh, immersing yourself in that uh, in that country heck taking classes in that country you know you go to europe and you know colleges we're talking thousand, a few thousand dollars rather than tens uh, of thousands of dollars so you could have that same experience at a you know a tenth of the price but most parents think oh i've got to i've got to have the fully bundled experience no you don't you can actually piece it together another part of this unbundling piece Megana is questions around uh, what courses does your child want to take and why wouldn't you or couldn't you piece together those courses from other sources, right? Right now, there are courses offered online from a variety of different uh, universities around the world. Uh, there are courses in, uh, I mentioned earlier, in the um, community college or the local university. These are all courses that you can piece together uh, starting at your age, frankly and begin to, to, to build your own learning experience rather than college. Is this, is this getting too, am I getting too verbose here? Is this making sense? It makes sense. Yeah. 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 All right. That, that was a very, very long answer. <laughs> what, what other questions do you have? Yeah, I was actually going to talk about the second thing that you texted me on LinkedIn as well. When you said that, um, like know exactly what you're buying and unbundle what you don't need to buy. Yep. I was just wondering, how do you like, how do you fight to unbundle something or like, can, can you also elaborate on that? A sure. Sure. So, um, let's, 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 all right, let's say that, uh, all right, the simplest, the most like obvious unbundling strategy is that you at age 15 start taking courses at the local community college or university. Most community colleges offer high school students free tuition. 
Uh, and, and many universities, in fact, my, my daughters attend a private university um, called the University of St. Thomas. They provide dramatically discounted rates for, uh, for college coursework. So you, as a 15-year-old, and, and I'm guessing you're, again, like I mentioned, it sounds like you're a thoughtful young woman, uh, probably hardworking. I'll bet you, you sitting in the class with other university students, you would do just fine. Uh, in fact, you'd probably excel. My daughters all were at the top of their class in the university, surrounded by 18, 19, 20-year-olds. Uh, they were 15 at the time. So that's the simplest unbundling. Start getting your college curriculum in now. So when you, young man, I just saw him today, actually. His name is Philip. Uh, he started taking college courses at 15. He He's graduated from high school. He has 70 hours of college credit. He is coming into college as a junior, right? So he now has unbundled his college experience. And as a result, he has saved probably $70,000, maybe more, more, depending on the university he's going to end up attending. So that is a, that's the easiest strategy around it. Uh, but then there's others. Um, networking is one of the biggest reasons why uh, a lot of families say, I want my child to go to Harvard, right? I want them to have the Harvard network. I don't care about the grades. I don't care about the learning. I want them to be able to pick up a phone and call another Harvard grad, or I want people to, um, to, uh, to see Harvard on his resume, and that's the currency that they're actually buying, right? Now, I don't, I don't argue with that. I mean, there's some logic to that. But on the networking side, and you're realizing this, Magna, now, with systems like LinkedIn, and a thoughtful, uh, motivated young person can make connections all over the world in any industry that they're interested in within a few weeks or months. And those relationships are tighter than the Harvard brand relationship. As an example, you reached out to me. I didn't know you. I'm impressed by your, your, your LinkedIn profile. I'm going to be keeping an eye on you. And when you need help, I can promise you, you can call me or any of the other folks that you're going to be interviewing and they're going to say, Megna, I love what you're up to. Let me do what I can to help you. Very different than calling the Harvard uh, alumni who says, oh, that's great. I'm glad you went to Harvard like uh, everyone else. Uh, right, see that? So the networking is a very different way of networking and it's an unbundled approach to, to, uh, to higher education. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, did, I, did, I, did you know there's a, there's a woman, I need to connect you, a young woman. Um, what is her name? Uh, it's in my LinkedIn uh, profile and contact. But uh, she, she lives in Pakistan. Uh, she reached out to me two, three months ago. She is interviewing hundreds of people around the world. She's interested in journalism. She has, she's recording these conversations. She's learning she is an exact, again, prototype of how a young person, and again, she's in Pakistan, right? How a young person can connect across uh, boundaries, across industries, uh, and she is 13 years old. Uh, that's why wow. when I asked you, I asked you when before off air, I said, are you, are you 13? Because I, I didn't remember you were 15 or 13, but you're, you know, you're, you're young enough where you can start this. Absolutely. Um, and think about this interaction with me today as an example of what you can replicate with almost anybody on LinkedIn. Just reach out to them and say, listen, I'm 15. I'm interested in journalism. 
I'm, you know, here's what I'm writing a book. Could I interview? I promise you, you will have people happy to spend an hour having a conversation with you about what your interests are. That's hacking yeah. higher education. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. What else? Oh, do you want me to keep going or do yeah. you want to ask? Give me, a, give me a couple more questions and then we'll switch it. We'll flip it on you. If you have any questions, again, I want to make sure you, your questions are answered. Yes. Um, how did you personally discover that these were a few solutions to being debt free? And was there any specific moment that allowed you to realize that or any specific experiences? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Great question. I, I served on the board of two universities. One was a selective public university, great school, love it. Um, uh, and then the other was a private college, uh, during those experiences, that's when I realized that, you know, college is a business, people. There's, it is a business. And as a business, their aim is to keep the institution alive and functioning. Right? So when I, when I would hear the decisions that were being made, they really weren't at the core around how do I make sure that the, the student has the best, cheapest experience possible. It's how do we pay for all these all these things that we built, all these buildings and this land that we're buying, uh, and these you know uh, tenured professors. Like, how do we pay for all that? Then the question is, all right, well, we got to charge students, we got to charge them this much, and we're going to charge them more next year. We've got to put fees. It was a it was a business, y'all. And so, if you think about um, a university as a business, as opposed to some kind of social benefit for our society, you look at it more critically. And as a result, you would look at it much like you would you know, go to the grocery store. I'm going to look at all the offerings they're giving me, and I'm going to make decisions that work for me. I'm not making decisions that are great for the institution. So that's the first. The second is uh, I had a, a, my, my senior, um, my son, he's a senior. He, uh, you know, very good student. He's a great learner as well. Uh, but I can't tell you how many... Uh, ads and, and article or, uh, uh, flyers and, um, promotional materials that he received. It's, it's, it's many hundreds of dollars that he received. It's probably, gosh, it's probably a couple thousand dollars actually. When I think about it, the price of all that material, they're, they're mm -hmm. advertising, right? No different than, uh, you know, watching a television commercial. They're advertising, trying to sell students to come to their university and to pay for what they have done or what they have built. So when you, again, when you think about university as a business, you, you can't help but ask the question, what's in it for them and what's in it for me and who do I really want to serve? I really want to serve myself and my kids. I'm not trying to build the university, right? Um, and so those experience serving on the institutions and with institutions taught me, you know what? They, they play a role. It's an important role, but don't, don't believe the hype. Don't believe the, the flyer that says this university is going to change your life. Any use, any university can change your life. If you go there with the right mindset, uh, don't believe the hype that there's only certain universities that are worth attending, right? That's a really powerful one. Uh, don't believe the hype when people say, Oh, you want to go to that school? That's a great school. Ooh, I wouldn't go to that school. That's a bad school. What does that even mean? Honestly, what does it mean that, that, that a school is a good school? I'm, I'm, I'm 
pulling my hair out, quite literally, uh, because my son is going to be going to uh, University of Virginia. When, people, when, I, when I mention that, they say, oh, that's a great school. And I say, how do you know? Tell me, what does that even mean, a great school? And, and no one can answer the question because it's just kind of a bait, it's baked into our culture that, that a school that has uh, selective uh, um, admissions processes are somehow better. And by the way, Magna, I'm sorry to be on my high horse here ranting. Do you know how they have a selective approach, like, you know, schools that have, you know, 15% selection or um, admission rates, 20% admission rates? Do you know how they do that? They try to get as many people as possible to apply to their school, even though they know that that student is not, is not ready for, for their institution. So if they get 1,000 students to apply and they only have 100 seats, they now have a 10% uh, admissions uh, rate, and they then catapult themselves into the upper echelon of, of institutions in terms of it being a great school. It's a game. And that game has, has been, uh, uh, most parents and most families don't realize it. Uh, that's why they go into significant amount of debt in order to uh, you know, gain that, that credential that they don't have to do. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. That's actually one of the things that I was planning on talking about because these colleges are taking lots of endowments, and that's actually one of the one of the factors that class or classifies them as the highest, like the best school, or that's not right. as good of a school. That's exactly yeah. Right. Harvard has like forty million dollars in yep. endowments a year. Forty billion. They have oh, 40, 40 billion, billion. billion dollars, yes, in investments yeah. that they're sitting on. Um, yeah, that's, that's obscene. There's no way that that institution can credibly argue that they are providing a community good. It is, uh, it is, it's, it's really quite obscene. There's a book that I'm going to recommend that you read, and I'm bringing it up on my phone here. It is called uh, The Price You Pay for College. Have you heard of that book? I have not. Okay. It may be a good one for you to read uh, to help you understand some of the inner workings of how uh, universities uh, operate and how really, once, I mean, once you read that book, you will come away going, okay, I finally understand how this system works, and now I see through it. Uh, and that would be a great resource, I think, for your book uh, if you took some of the items from, from that book as well. Um, the other is, a call, is called Gate, The Gatekeepers. And this was written, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, maybe, about, uh, by a, uh, a journalist that was allowed to see inside of a selective university admissions process. Got to interview uh, the admissions officers, got to interview some of the applicants, et cetera, and, and really starts to give you a sense of how this whole process works and how arbitrary oftentimes the process is. And, and in many ways, how unfair the process is. And that's a whole other conversation. So um, two, two resources that could help you with your book. Yeah, I will definitely check them out. Great, great. All right, cool. All right, can I can, you get another question for me? I do, but you can go ahead and ask your question. Give, give me one more. We may edit some of these out, but give me one more. I want to answer your questions. And so. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, be, you're actually the founder of two organizations correct yes more than that but two yes two, 
two that are operating now. I've, I've started a couple other organizations as well. Okay. Sounds, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> um, so what led you in specific to be interested in this? Like, you know, all this information on the student loan debt crisis and college and all of that. So what allowed you to be interested in? Mm, yeah. Well, first off, it's not amazing that I started um, businesses um, and organizations. So it, it's actually, it's, it's, it's kind of weird that more people don't do it uh, because it's not that hard and it's incredibly rewarding, even if you fail. Uh, and so that's another, that's another conversation. So what got me interested in this topic? What got me interested, again, I've been on nine different educational boards from public selective public university all the way down to a Head Start system board. And I've seen everything. I've seen models like uh, hybrid school models, community school models. Um, heck, I don't know if you're familiar with a high school called High Tech High out in California, Southern California, one of the more innovative uh, schools. We have a school here locate, local in Houston that I was on the board of, actually, actually where my son went to school. I, but I've had a chance to see so much of the educational system that I see it as a system. And once you see it as a, as a unified system, you realize how uh, disjointed it is, how ir illogical it is, and how irrational it is. I mean, one of the questions that I have struggled with from the first day I sat on the board of uh, the public university was, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of, of this university? What's the purpose of education? And, and surprisingly, that conversation rarely happens. But if you think about the pur purpose, it's usually going to be something around readying the young person for their future, right? Something around that. Getting them educated so that when they step out into the real world, they can just kind of keep going and roll, right? But what education turns into or has turned into is this legislative uh, mandated list of activities that don't seem to have any con connection with the real world anymore. Uh, ask, ask, you know, ask most teachers, and most teachers would say if they had complete freedom of what they would do in their classes, they would throw out 80% of what happens in their class. I mean, most teachers aren't given freedom to do anything but in, in, initi uh, initiate or follow through on the rules that are set from above. So as I've, sit, as I've sat in these meetings, as I've talked to teachers and school leaders and legislators, who, by the way, they don't care at all about kids because kids don't vote. What they care about are people who vote. And, and kids and parents are usually, usually the, you know, the last uh, in the voting, box, voting booth. So as I've explored and been a part of these conversations, the more cynical and the more frustrated I have become. And to now, to now, now the only thing that I think is going to change this is if parents and young learners start to drive education for themselves. That's the only thing that I can see solving this problem. It's not going to be solved by, you know, the right president of the United States coming in and creating new policies around education. No, it's not going to happen. It's not going to be the right governor or the right school board or even the right principal because the whole system is broken. So when you tell me things like, I was bored this summer and I went and started two organizations and now I'm writing a book, that is further evidence to me that the system is busted because you should be given that freedom from the start. You should have been encouraged 
to start organizations, to start businesses, encouraged to put your thoughts down in paper in a book, to produce things rather than wait for someone to tell you to do things. So I, I'm, I'm now, I'm, I'm now, I'm no, I'm way off uh, on a limb here. And if your mom was listening to me talk about this, she'd probably be horrified. But this is where, <laughs> this is where this has come from, and it just, it's, it's eating me inside. And I felt like I could not just kind of stand by and still, uh, you know, hope or pray that things change. I had to do something about it. And so that's what started the education game, my consulting work that ha- that preceded it. That's the why I'm writing the book. I'm writing a book too. Um, all that is just, it's an overflow of, of, of frustration and, 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 and hope that we can change how this whole thing we call education works, not just in the United States, but also in, internationally. That, that was really good. <laughs> yeah. Well, you ready to flip it around now? For a few minutes? Yeah, sure. All right. So um, what's the first question? Uh, what's the status of your of your school now? What, what are you what are you looking at? Yeah, so we have a hybrid learning environment and a, like an online environment. I'm completely online, mm-hmm. but some people go to school every day right now. Yeah. And, and do you what do you like? Do you like it better online or? I like both of them for specific reasons. Um, I would like going back into school to maintain a specific schedule. But then I also like learning at home because I can go at my own pace and do things on my own. Yeah. So a hybrid, maybe what what you're interested in. Yeah. Yeah. So my kids, uh, they were in a hybrid school from kindergarten until eighth, well, eighth, ninth grade, something like that, Um, depending on the child. But every everyone went through eighth grade in a hybrid model, and it was fantastic. Um, the only thing that I would, in fact, I was having some LinkedIn dialogue around this. The only thing that I question about the hybrid model is how much autonomy and agency are you being given, right? So, uh, and what I mean by that is like how much encouragement are you being given to set your own uh, learning plans. Right, so um, most hybrid schools, uh, they still tell the child, here are the 10 things you've got to complete today, whether you're at school or at home. Here are the 10 assignments you've got to complete. Rare is the school that says, here are the two assignments that we think is, are really important for you. Now I want to coach you, learner, around the things that you want to learn about. So let's start with what are you curious about? And so for you, this whole past summer, I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated that you took this initiative, but I also would have loved for you to have a coach who's standing next to you, you know, virtually standing next to you and saying, okay, what are you curious about? I'm curious about, uh, you know, debts, uh, student loan debts. Fantastic. Here's a couple books you should consider. Oh, and have you talked to anyone who is maybe a board member of a university? You probably should talk to a few board members. Here are some names. Or... Let's go in onto LinkedIn. Let's figure out how you can find 10 people that are the, what would be the perfect interview for your book, right? That is what a coach would now empower you to learn on your own, to learn how to learn. Most hybrid schools, they don't do that. They still give you the 10 things you've got to learn every day. Um, and after you get done, then maybe you have some freedom, but they don't usually teach you how to drive your own learning. And to me, that's actually where the future of education is going to be. That would actually, I'm like envisioning that as you say it, and I would love that learning style. Yeah. I, I think, I think humans, (laughs) 
humans love freedom and they love being curious. I mean, that is, that is, you know, what separates us from, <laughs> from most of the animal kingdom. Um, and so if you're asked the question, what are you curious about? You can now answer that. And, and what happens is once you start creating a learning plan around the areas of curiosity for you, your learning goes so much faster. You, right? It's, it's, it's mind boggling to me that we don't have these conversations more, but like Magna, are you, you've, you've listed some things you're curious about. What are some other things you're curious about? Well, I would love to explore, like, I'm very interested in arts, like dance and music. Mm. So I love, I love looking into those types of things. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So in a school model, traditional school model, if you have an interest in something, what do they recommend you do first? If you um, want to learn maybe extracurriculars. Okay. Yeah. Maybe take, take a, take a class, right? Maybe read a book. No, I, I don't, I don't think that that's the best way for someone to start learning about something. I think the best way to start learning about something is to talk to people who are doing it. So if you're interested in dance, I would, I would encourage you to use your time, your spare time that you have now to go on LinkedIn and start searching for people who are who share your interest in dance. And then you set up a conversation with them where you just have a 20 minute, 30 minute, 45 minute conversation about what is it like to dance? Uh, if maybe they run a dance company, maybe they're dancers themselves. Um, you know, maybe they're, uh, uh, an agent that, you know, that connects companies with dancers. I don't know, but that is, that will be the far best use of your time. It'll be far better than um, uh, than taking a class because the class is going to take you months to even learn about a lot of the stuff. And frankly, you won't learn about the real uh, the real side of dance. Um, and some of the dancers might say, you know what? What you really should consider learning about is this style of dance. It's coming online. It's really fresh and hip. And it incorporates these other areas of dance. You should really explore that. So when you go out and find a, a dance company, ask them if they do this type of dance, right? Or, right? That's the kind of thing that only happens when you have a conversation with someone who's in the space. But in schools, usually learning is only confined to the four walls of the classroom. And I'm arguing that in the future, well, now and all from this point forward, learning happens everywhere. And you're also, again, proving that you can use systems like LinkedIn to get connected with people who share your interests or who can help you on your journey. That's all I'm suggesting uh, should happen uh, for every learner uh, as, a mo as a matter of course. So. Yeah. And I fully support that. <laughs> like I support what you're arguing for. Yeah, well, the, unfortunately, um, you don't vote, Magna. You don't vote, mm -hmm. you have no income, uh, you have very little power. Uh, I'm hopeful that at some point, again, my, my work focuses on parents first and then learners because parents vote, parents have income, parents have power. They can now, I believe, help their children gain power and then begin to lead themselves. But it, it, it really is going to start with the parent in my view. Um, so anyway, so um, one more question for you, Magna. Um, in your school, um, would you say that you are, um, you're exploring more than most other learners? 
Yeah. Okay. And why do you think that is? What's different about you? I feel like like it hits a lot of the points that you've said, but a lot of the students are focused on getting A's or like a five on AP exams mm -hmm. in their coursework, and then they don't expand outside of that. And I feel like I've kind of gone, at least I'd like to think that I've gone out of those boundaries a little. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is also that they don't know that they have to do that either. Mm. Yeah, you're kind of locked into one way of thinking and you don't even realize there's other op options out there. I, I call that the, um, the conveyor belt, uh, which is, you know, we're taught that you get on the conveyor belt at kindergarten and you just wait for people to give you stuff. Or, or even better yet, a better analogy is probably uh, a, um, an assembly line. And so you get on, you know what an assembly line is? Yeah. You get on, and in kindergarten, they'll, they'll hang letters on you, right? You'll learn how to use letters. And in second grade, multiplication, right? And in, in eighth grade, it's algebra or something like that. And they just kind of keep putting more, assembling more, sticking more things to you. Uh, there is a strong belief that is the only way to, to develop a, a bright and beautiful future. And, you know, that was probably the case when I was coming up. It's definitely not the case anymore. Um, there's a reason that Elon Musk, who has, uh, you know, who regularly sees <laughs> uh, imbalances in the marketplace, his kids are not going to a traditional school. They're learning in exactly the way I've described uh, in a few, a few moments ago about where their interests are. They're moving at their own pace. Um, they're, they're being coached to become independent learners and, and, and problem solvers. These are the skills that are going to be really needed, needed in the 21st century, but yet it rarely is taught. So I'm probably poisoning your mind. And so <laughs> if your parents are upset and want to talk to me, have them call me and I'll try to... I'll try to make sure that they uh, that they understand more of what I'm describing. But uh, that this is this is this is kind of my philosophy, and it's been something I've seen, and it's been developed over many years. Uh, and a lot of lost hair uh, has gone into this perspective. So, <laughs> so when is your book coming out? It's coming out hopefully if everything goes well this winter. Yeah. around Christmas time. And what's, yeah. the, what's the name of the book? Well, the working title, I'm still working on it, yeah. but it, it's going to have something around to do with, like, the American crisis. Got yeah. it. About student loans. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Well, listen, I will do what I can to help, you know, share your information. So I would encourage you to become active on LinkedIn, you know, a post every couple days. Uh, commenting on posts, and I would really strongly encourage you to reach out to people and tell them what you're doing. I'm sure you could find admissions officers uh, that you could interview, probably uh, financial aid officers on LinkedIn that you could talk to about your book. Uh, they would have some, definitely some pr interesting perspectives. Uh, I've got a couple of friends who are retired uh, former admissions officers who might be able to help. So let's just stay in touch, and, and I'll be happy to help, help you put your book together as, as best as I can. But I'm excited for you. I'm excited about your in, initiative and your leadership. And I look forward to, to hearing more about your book and, and how you pro progress through, through your journey of life.
Yeah, and I look forward to hearing more about your book as well. Very cool. Well, it hopefully it around the same time we'll both be getting books out. So yeah. Yep. And stay in touch with my daughter too. She, she, she and you have some similar interests. She's interested in, in the arts as well, particularly theater, dance and singing as well. And, uh, she's doing some of the things that I described to you. So maybe the two of you all, y'all could uh, tag team. Yeah. I'm also actually interested in some theater aspects as well. There it is. There it is. And one, one final point. Um, when you become skilled at theater, you become skilled, you, you actually develop a superpower. And the superpower is you can walk in front of any group, a board meeting, an auditorium full of people, uh, you know, a staff meeting, and articulate your ideas clearly and with, uh, with enthusiasm and interest. That is a superpower because I can tell you how many times, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a meeting where the presenter is uncomfortable, is inarticulate, um, uh, and it just ruins the entire presentation, right? So, what if you're interested in theater? I used to be, I used to be avoid the idea of encouraging people to go into theater, but now I've gone 180 degrees, and I believe that theater is one of the superpowers that are out there that every kid should develop their ability to communicate uh, in in public and, and communicate on their feet. So. I wish you the best, but stay in touch with my daughters. You, you, maybe the two of y'all can work together. Yeah, so, that sounds amazing. Yeah. It was so nice talking to you. Nice talking to you, too. I'm so glad to meet another weirdo like yourself and uh, trying to trying to grow the number of weirdos out there. Let's, keep, let's see if we can grow some more of y'all. All right? Yeah. <laughs> Good deal. Okay. Well, thanks for being on the education game and look forward to more conversations in the future. Thank you. All Bye. Right. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening, parents. I hope that this was useful, that it started to give you a bit more of an indication of how learning is shifting and and the things that you as a parent need to be upskilled about. That's what we're about here in the education game. So we're thankful that you were here. Again, hopefully it was was helpful to you. Remember, you can call us to ask us questions free of charge about your family and your child's educational plan and learning journey. Uh, Go to our website at theeducationgame.com slash contact. Click on the button there and schedule a time for us to have a conversation free of charge, completely free of charge. And it's just a service that we provide. It's underwritten by supporters. So thank you for those supporters as well. Hope this was helpful. Looking forward to seeing you next time on the Education Game Podcast. Take care.